Welcome to Where's the Nuance with myself, El Nino. In a world of black and white thinking, we're here to introduce a little color and pull back the dogmatic ideologies that stand in the way of truth. I love science. I just think it's incredibly pretentious and has claimed too much. Its methods are great. Its constipated conservatism is maddening. You must unlearn what you have we can fight endlessly on the supposition that there are good guys and bad guys. When we fight on that supposition, there is no possibility of compromise. Because we all step in shit from time to time. We hit roadblocks, we fuck up, we get fucked, we get sick, we don't get what we want. We cross thousands of could-have-done-betters and wish that wouldn't have happened in life. Stepping in shit is inevitable. So let's either see it as good luck or figure out how to do it less often. You've all heard someone say that if somebody's always getting into relationships, this must be an indication of something toxic. If you jump into relationships, you must hate being alone. You've never taken the time to know yourself, and you're obviously less aware than the person who enjoys years of distance in between each relationship, because that's what every person truly needs to understand who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you're simply not ready to get into a relationship. Something about all this makes some sense. But like a wise man once told me, an idiot can make sense of anything. And when we assume what works for us has to work for everybody else, we're becoming that idiot. And yeah, I have a bias because I am a serial dater. Moving from victim to victim, I mean lover to lover. I like dating. I like the intimacy. I like the romance. I'm a certified lover boy. But is this some reflection of some void within me? An inability to be alone? Abandonment issues? A codependency? Well, it could be. But I'd like to think I have a fairly great awareness of myself by now. So why do I enjoy jumping from relation to... To relationship then. Well, to give a little context, I've had six long-term relationships lasting at least eight months each and a handful of other short-term relationships that, while shorter, still had meaningful impacts on my love life. And I began dating like, 10 years ago. At 25 years old now, my habits regarding the enjoyment of dating hasn't changed, but the common critique would suggest that I don't know how to be alone. I'd say I actually know how to be alone better than most people. Not to compare, but I'm an extroverted introvert, so when you meet me, I probably won't shut up, and I'm usually passionate and curious about you and pretty much everything. But I do spend most of my time in the peace of my solitude. Most of my hobbies and artistic pursuits are solitary, and I love it. It's how I recharge my energy and center myself. But I won't lie to you. When my energy is recharged, I love people. My passion, as I've described it since I was 15, is the human condition. So what I'm trying to say is, I like to go out, okay? I like to go out and meet people, meet potentially amazing partners, but with the current state of hookup culture, online dating, and the prevailing idea among both men and women that more is merrier, being single is not always fulfilling within the realm of relationships. The relationships can be often shallow, transient, and the culture only worsens this reality. I found that while being alone, I can actually learn so much about myself but that doesn't necessarily mean that being single and alone is necessary to do that. And I would rather just live my life, not with the intention of finding anybody, but also not actively closing myself off. For me, it's about finding the place within myself where I don't feel like I need anyone. Without denying the truth that as a young man, I have every hormone in my body saying I'd enjoy someone, both physically and romantically. But where I am in my life, the one-night hookups often take more than they give. Don't get me wrong, we all have to go and put ourselves out there if we want to meet a potential partner. But that doesn't always mean I have to go to the bars and clubs to meet someone. Hell, I've found love at bookstores, through work, a concert, horse camp, and yeah, all right, even Tinder. But what I'm trying to say is that 
For me, a relationship isn't a sudden encroachment of my solitude or an opportunity to escape myself. In fact, it's often in relationships where I feel like I'm learning more about myself, how I navigate difficult emotions, my own and somebody else's, how I how to practice patience and to recognize what my true needs are within a relationship, practicing boundaries, how to own my mistakes because they're much easier to make when you're not just responsible for how you treat yourself, but somebody else too. And I think if this isn't already obvious, where are you going to learn how to be a better partner alone or with somebody else? Is it beneficial and perhaps a requirement to know how to spend time alone and develop passions and interests outside of another person? Hell yeah. I could argue that's a prerequisite for getting into a healthy, long lasting relationship. But plenty of people know how to be alone, but don't know the first thing about the reality of being in a partnership with another person. Look, preach your individualism all you want, but if you see a long-term relationship in your vision for the future, it might serve you best to dive into the arena of dating, vulnerability, putting your heart on the line. Is this the one and only truth? No, probably not. The most important factor that podcasters, online coaches, and even online therapists around the world tend to leave out is context. The truth is, you have to know where you are. And to know this, I would concede, is where that idea that jumping from relationship to relationship without any introspection, solitude, and self-analysis might be an indication of some underlying problem. The problem would be not knowing the context of where you stand. This involves the basics of not knowing what we're looking for and aimlessly wandering through life and relationships, leaving behind a trail of broken hearts and you deserve betters. Not knowing your context could mean having a lack of self-knowledge, not understanding your own faults, weaknesses, and insecurities, so that every unintentional hurt feels like a spiteful rejection and we label everyone else toxic for not seeing the landmines buried under the surface of our skin. I guess what I'm getting at is that knowing who you are, your values, your goals, and where your desires lay is vital to moving through your dating life. Whether that means as a young man who wants to focus on his career and personal development, perhaps choosing to be celibate until they feel they can provide a life they want to live with someone, or as a young woman recognizing that hooking up leaves her feeling drained, used, and now she requires emotional maturity, loyalty, and attentiveness from her partner. See, every single one of us, once we get to know ourselves richly and deeply, is unique. And that's fucking beautiful. It also means that we're not going to need the same exact structure and ways of existing in our relationships or how we move through them. I know that right now, I like the concept of an independent partnership. A bit, a bit of an oxymoron, but it reflects the understanding that where I am in my life right now, I need personal time to work on my passions and career, and I'm aligned with a partner who also is invested in their own lives and goals, aka putting me second. I don't want to be someone's first priority right now because I know that no one can be mine. I'm not ready or willing or capable of making anyone my priority because, well, I haven't created enough for myself yet. Recognizing that and communicating that prevents me from involving myself with someone who may want or need something different. That's important. Knowing ourselves is an invitation to the universe to give us what we need. Ignorance invites everything and leaves us at the mercy of chance, which any gambling man will tell you is a hell of a bitch. Understanding yourself, which, yes, often requires some real alone time to look into oneself, perhaps go to therapy, reflect on our shortcomings, explore our hobbies, etc., is an integral part of making sure we enter relationships with intention. Intention is the key word in differentiating what I would call toxic serial dating and what I'd like to imagine I'm practicing is a, a healthier dating practice. When we're engaged in the toxic serial dating cycle, we don't know what we want. We just know we don't want to be alone. Where we are now is by ourselves and 
we don't feel comfortable with that company because that solitude often begs for self-reflection and we're not interested. We just want to have fun, follow our impulses, go with the flow, we say. It feels like it's letting go, but it's more like strapping ourselves into the roller coaster of unconscious habits. The toxic serial dater doesn't know what they want, but they're certain they just want to feel good. So whoever ends up in their arms carries the burden of trying to fulfill this person's unexpressed wishes, and they better provide, otherwise the toxic serial dater is quick to jump ship because, well, they aren't moving with any intention. They're moving through the river of pleasure, the hedonic treadmill, except this one takes victims. Their pleasure often comes at the expense of someone else's heart. One relationship ends and they already had someone else in mind for the next one. Yeah, they were already talking to someone else while they were dating you. It was probably the person they told you not to worry about because when they're toxic serial dating, their need for pleasure and stimulation is fast acting. And each honeymoon stage only lasts a few months at best, so they often don't stick around very long before jumping straight into a new and exciting relationship. Another shiny object to distract themselves from the trauma, insecurities, and more bubbling under the surface. What makes this pattern so destructive isn't even the fact that they have some work and healing to do because fuck it, we all do. Even the gurus and coaches and yogis, nobody's perfect. But this pattern of movement has no intention other than to gratify pleasure and to keep the mind distracted and entertained. See, I know that because I've had a couple of very short-lived relationships, if one can even call them that, wherein I did in fact move with no intention. I was not my best self. Often I was in a time of my life that I really required some solitude and self-reflection and healing, but I didn't have the intention to give a shit. I just wanted to feel better or at the very least distracted. I was selfish, disinterested, and self-serving at someone else's expense because I had no real intention. But when we're engaged in a healthy dating practice, we have intention. That intention can often only meet us as far as we've met ourselves. Obviously, if I'm not aware of some deeper parts of myself, there's no way I can outline an intention that accounts for that. But that's the imperfect reality of being human. It's not a toxic cycle, it's a human reality. In this space, we practice boundaries, have clearer expectations within the relationship, we see a relationship as an opportunity for more enjoyment and fun, but also as an opportunity to be of service to another person too, because we understand that relationships require work and a choice. We choose to wake up every morning and love this person as they do for us. Because as long as the benefits of working through the challenges outweigh the challenges themselves, that is a working and loving relationship. It's not always easy, but we take the hard times as opportunities to reflect on our role in the difficulties and acknowledging when our needs aren't being met so that our partner can understand and if they love us, work on it. That's the most we can ask of anyone. Our intention guides the movement of the relationship. Over time, that intention can evolve as the relationship does too. But as long as we communicate this openly, we're living our truth and that's the best we can do. In case it's not clear, an intention is, well, according to Google, a directed impulse of consciousness that contains the seed form of that which you aim to create. Like real seeds, intentions can't grow if you hold on to them. Only when you release your intentions into the fertile depths of your consciousness can they grow and flourish. Now, tying that definition to our relationships means that we have an idea of what we aim to create with and or alongside another person. We have a vision of it and a general understanding of ourselves, our values and boundaries, such that when we let go of that intention, it can guide us within our personal parameters. Our power to plant these seeds of intention in our relationships and every area of our lives, that's one of the most powerful abilities we all hold as divine beings. Or if the mystical language is triggering, primates with universally complex organic supercomputer brains. Either way, 
Our power to create love or chaos is our power of intention. Whether that be moving from relationship to relationship with no intention and thus at the mercy of chaos, or moving with self-knowledge, the context of self, and directed intention as the creators of our lives and love. So when we think about judging the specific ways people move through life, perhaps let us first focus on our shit, because we can leave the judgment to someone else. Let us reflect on whether our lives and relationships are in the hands of our intention or something else entirely. Whether that be with the intention of exploring life alone or with a partner, knowing we're not all the same, we don't all have the same context. As such, there's no right or wrong way to live it, but we can definitely avoid creating unnecessary suffering by fostering intention in our lives and specifically our relationships. Thank you for tuning in. I know your time is precious and I'm honored to share it with you. Please give the podcast five stars and follow us to stay updated. We look forward to seeing you here now next time for Where's the Nuance?